Welcome to Unchained TV, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. You're about to hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your health, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello and welcome. We are so excited to be talking to one of my heroes today, Dotsie Bausch. She won an Olympic medal in cycling and then decided to devote her life to making the world a better place, indeed to helping it survive. And she's focusing on dairy and dairy's damage, which is something that a lot of people have no clue about. We're going to talk to Doxy in a second. She's going to be joining us momentarily. But first, we've got another extraordinary member of the Switch for Good team, Jason Robel, who is a chef, an absolutely amazing chef in his own right. In fact, you actually had the very first primetime television cooking show ever Jason, tell us about it. Thanks, Jane. Always good to be with you. Um, so yeah, uh, we had a pretty groundbreaking moment back in 2013 on the Cooking Channel and Food Network Canada. Uh, we had a series called How to Live to 100, which was indeed the first primetime television vegan cooking series in history. So that ran from 2013 to 2015 and really was a hybrid of educating people about all of the health benefits and the longevity benefits of uh, converting to a plant-based vegan lifestyle and it was part uh, part animation, part sketch comedy, and part cooking show. So we really swung for the fences and uh, and had a really, really good time. It was awesome being part of history. Well, I am actually going to play uh, a video of you. Um, and, it, you know, you just bring such verve to your cooking. It's, it's really a show. And that's probably why you got your own show. Would a shepherd's pie be without celery? So we have two stalks chopped. Add a quarter cup of vegetable broth into the mix. Six minutes later, veggies are cooked down. What I want you to do is grab a half a cup of green peas, take them and add them in. Next up, we've got a half teaspoon of sea salt and a quarter teaspoon of ground black pepper. Next up, we've got a tablespoon of thyme. We've got a teaspoon of rosemary and two teaspoons of sage. We've got a tablespoon and a half of fresh minced parsley. The herbs are gentle, right? They don't need much cook time. So only cook them down for about 90 seconds and then take them off heat completely. Grab a large mixing bowl and take all your veggies and put it right in. And then take your sauce and pour it over the vegetables. Go ahead and fill your ramekins like this. Now here's the dilly. With your ramekins, you wanna leave about a quarter to an eighth of an inch to make room for your sweet and purple potato topping. All right, that, that made me hungry. So me where, where did you get this ability to cook like this, to be such a chef? Yeah, so I went to culinary school back in 2005. Uh, it no longer exists, but there was one of, at that time, only three vegan plant-based culinary schools in the world. And I went to the one up in Northern California called the Living Light Culinary Arts Academy. And, you know, back in 2005, Jane, it was it was rare to meet vegans. It was even more rare to meet a vegan chef. So when I graduated culinary school, my entire family and friends were like, are you crazy? What do you what do you mean you're a vegan chef? So it was nice being in that first wave of people really embracing not only the vegan lifestyle, but using the culinary arts 
to further the compassion, further the ethics, and really get people to understand that you can thrive and be healthy and have the best performance ever if you transition to a mindful plant-based lifestyle. So I'd like to say I was one of the early adopters and um, it was just awesome. So I got good because I went to culinary school. Honestly, that's the answer. Well, I am so excited that Dotsie Bausch, the founder of Switch for Good, a vegan Olympian, has joined us now. Uh, Dotsie, we're going to go through some of your incredibly edgy and controversial campaigns. Um, you really Wait, first, Jane, I, I just came in on Ramekin. Can somebody tell me what that is? <laughs> I've cooked with Jason before, and it guy's complicated. What the heck is a Ramekin? A ramekin is a small uh, ceramic cylinder that use, you can use to make souffles, shepherd's pie. The video you're watching, I was making a shepherd's pie where you take some sauteed vegetables, put a little gravy in, and then top it with either like a puff pastry mix or some sweet potatoes. So that's all a ramekin is. It's a small little little ceramic cylinder that you bake things in. That I won't ever need. Okay, excellent. There you go. <laughs> now I know what I'm not getting you for the holidays. Dotsie. I know, you know. Your holiday present. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Dotsie, uh, you typify Americana, but yet you're very controversial. Um, where did you get that gumption? Because we're going to talk about some of your controversial billboards, your controversial um, videos, uh, all to make a point. But where did you get the gumption to go out on the edge like that? Well, I mean, probably some of it's in my DNA. I, I just, I've, I've just never liked to to follow the herd or just, you know, kind of be okay with whatever says society is okay. I've always liked to like dig in a little dip, bit deeper for myself and figure it out. But really, Jane, we're just taking uh, a couple pages out of Big Dairy's playbook, right? They, 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 they're, they're very, and we stick to the science, but they are certainly very edgy in their style in that they do not like to tell the truth. So we're using their style, but telling the truth. Because, you know, people have responded. They responded to Got Milk. They responded to uh, a lot of the, you know, the milk mustaches and things like that. So making it attractive and sexy and edgy, but telling the truth. All right, so let's dive right into some of your controversial billboards, and then we're going to get to the videos, which are even a step up from that. <laughs> Here's one that really made headlines. Nine out of 10 serial killers grew up drinking milk. What was your game plan with this? And I know this was a billboard in the heart of Los Angeles. A lot of people saw it. What was, what was the purpose? Yeah, well, you know what, and this was probably lost on everyone, but it, it, this this original uh, statement uh, was from the dairy industry, nine out of 10 Olympians grew up drinking milk. They used that campaign for quite a long time, the years that I was a, a professional athlete. So we just had a little spin on it, a little fun, because probably the truth out of it is nine out of 10 people in America grew up drinking milk, right? Because we were sold the, the, the poor bill of health. So we just had a little bit of fun. We put it in a very specific area in Hollywood where we thought people would be quite curious as to why we were saying this. And uh, they were, it was up for 30 days and 25,000 people went to the killermilk.com site to say, wait, what are you talking about? So it was that, it was just, it was a prod at them being able to look deeper and, and uncover the truth. But Jason might have some more comments on it. This yeah, is our, okay, Jason. our marketing guy. What do you think? What was your yeah. strategy? You know, the strategy was let's take something that is uh, a, a hot topic 
in society in terms of entertainment. And at that time, uh, the, the show about Jeffrey Dahmer was trending. He had, I think, just won an Emmy Award. The actor just won an Emmy Award for, for portraying Dahmer. So part of it was really tapping into the pulse of what was going on in terms of our, our entertainment and culture. But it was also, like Dotsie said, spinning this concept, this sort of ridiculous original ad campaign from, from the dairy industry on its head. And I got to tell you, Jane, when we launched this billboard and we launched KillerMilk.com, which everyone watching can go and check out even more information. We're in phase two right now, actually, of our Killer Milk campaign. It was, yes, to go for shock value, but to get people to go to the website to learn more about how deadly milk actually is. So it worked because we got millions of impressions on that billboard. We got tens of thousands of people going to the website. So it was our way of sort of piquing people's curiosity. And as I said, tapping into the pulse of popular culture at that time. And it was very, very successful. And now, as I said, we're on to phase two in the killer milk campaign, talking about how dairy is the most fatal form of food anaphylaxis in children. So we can talk about that. We're in the second phase of our billboard campaign with that. Well, let's put it right up. It says here, and this is another massive billboard in Los Angeles and it may be other places. Tell me, cow's milk is now the most common fatal food allergy in kids. Is your child next? This is a switch for good billboard. Uh, break it down for us, Dotsie. What are the stats behind this? Well, that's the, that's the stat that came out of a study that was published in the British Journal of Medicine uh, two and a half years ago. When it came out, I didn't hear about it. You didn't hear about it. What, why didn't we hear about it? I don't know. Maybe the dairy industry squashed it so no one would find out. But this is serious stuff. I mean, they ripped peanuts out of school when one child died, which was clearly one too many and an okay thing to do. But now we have milk that is superseding all of the other foods, shellfish and nuts and, and other allergens, soy, uh, as, as the leading cause of anaphylaxic death. For children under 16, and no one really knew that that study was done and published. So it, we took it upon ourselves to tell parents, and we did it billboard style. What was the reason you got involved in the entire question of dairy, the number of people, the percentage of the population that is uh, lactose intolerant, i.e. allergic to dairy and suffers side effects, why you? You're an Olympic medalist. In 2012, you rode your cycle onto the Olympic podium. Uh, and I know you set some records there. Uh, you did it on a plant-based diet. What was that transition like? How did you get from the Olympic podium to where you are today? Yeah. Well, as an Olympian, we had dairy highly pushed on us because the dairy industry was a sponsor of the U.S. Olympic team. So I, I was experiencing that, which I thought was weird. I just, I, even before I went plant-based, which was two years before the Olympics, I, I kept thinking, this is so weird that it's just this one single food, this mammalian secretion from the bovine species of all species. They have four stomachs. We have one. Why would we, that food be the perfect food for humans and then the perfect food for athletes. So I always was questioning if it was true and why there was so much money behind it and to, to, to press this forward. But then as I started to go plant-based and I just started feeling so much better and a lot of people saw my story in the game changers or whatnot, you know, just everything changed in a positive direction. Dairy was one of the things I took out. I, I started to just look at 
the implications of different style, different types of animal foods. And I saw some uh, teammates, not track cycling teammates, but track and field cycling teammates uh, on Team USA be, be made very sick from dairy. And they were people of color. And so it was in 2019 when the late, great Susan Levin from PCRM called me up and said, will you come to Washington to speak to the dietary guidelines? And so I had three minutes to give a speech to the dietary guidelines to say what I thought was you know, wrong with them and what my suggestion would be for the new edition that was going to come out in 2020. And I started diving in really deep. And what came up for me was the great food injustice and food inequity and racist approach of pushing cow's milk on really anyone, but especially on children of color and fully recognizing I'm white as hell. I'm not lactose intolerant. Jason is. Um, but I thought, what on God's earth? Why would we have this one choice for Americans? And then, you know, come to learn we got one choice in schools too, which is what we're trying to change now with our Ad Soy Act. I don't know, Jane, it just, you know, those things that it just tugged in my, on my heart and my gut. So I went and spoke on this subject and the only people, there were 50 of us there speaking to the U.S. dietary guidelines. And I spoke on the food injustice, uh, as did Susan Levin, as did, of course, Dr. Milton Mills. And we were the only three that even brought it up. Unbelievable. We've got some callers. Uh, Michael in Los Angeles, your question or thought for our incredible team from Switch for Good. Hey, good morning, Jane. Good morning, Dotson. Good morning, Jason. Uh, great topic today. Um, yeah, I am um, also, I want to just mention really quickly, I'm, I'm a big fan of Switch for Good podcast. It's an amazing, uh, I never missed an episode, so I just want to throw that out there right now. Um, yeah, my question basically is, uh, uh, you know, I became vegetarian about, I guess, 27 years ago now, and um, the reason was because I was, you know, I, it was for the animals. I saw what, what suffering they went through. Anyway, I didn't become ve uh, vegan until maybe eight, nine years ago, and what's frustrating is that uh, all this time I was contributing to animal cruelty without even knowing it. So what do you think is the best um, way forward to, uh, you know, make the public aware of what's going on with the, the cruelty in dairy? Because I was fooled for so long, you know. Anyway, thanks so much for taking my question. Have a good day. Dotsie, you want to hit it? Sure. And I, I know Jason has some thoughts on this because we talk about this a lot in our marketing at Switch for Good. Um, you know, when we started, there were already extraordinary animal rights organizations in alive, if you know, had been for 20, 30, 40 years, who were telling the animal stories in really poignant, important ways. So we looked and we said, we want to tell this story, but in a, in a different way, right? Because we, so many of us came in through the animal um, lens, if you will. I, I definitely did. and was like, this is some messed up stuff and I don't want any part of it and we got to change this. So we've just taken the approach to answer your question that is, um, it, it doesn't focus on the horror and the cruelty to animals. As you know, from listening to the podcast, we never shy away from the truth. But what happens to the animals, if people ask or if we're having a discussion or conversation about it, I was just speaking in, with the last hour to uh, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and it came up. I mean, I'm always very open about it, as is Jason. But we're just trying to attract what we call it switch for good, the 95% that may or may not know about the animal and sadly may or may not care. That's that's who we're after, the people that it's, it's hard to even conceptualize that someone wouldn't care. But 
you know, we're not in a vegan world. So we have a lot of people out there that don't care about that. So we're trying to get them with things that they might care about their children and their health and their wellness and all of the aspects of, um, that you have seen in, in our videos and our work, just a yeah. different approach. And I want to talk about one of the videos that, wow, I want to get reaction from both of you explaining why you chose this particular person um, who is no longer with us, but who is with us now, thanks to artificial intelligence, to make a point. As I speak to you, the dairy industry is responsible for increasing rates of heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and obesity in this nation. It's currently wasting hundreds of millions in taxpayer dollars, and it's contributing to the destruction of our precious environment. We've been subsidizing this toxic industry for decades, and we will continue to do so unless we all choose to put a stop to it. So let's all agree to use our brains and stop drinking the mammary secretions of another species. I implore every citizen to think about your health, think about your children, think about the future on planet Earth. So goodbye, God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Wow. Wow. Jason, I have a feeling you you had something to do with this. This sounds like it's right up your alley. Yeah. I, you know, the benefit of artificial intelligence is, is we can use it as an incredibly powerful tool for creative activism now. And when used in this way, like this Ronald Reagan video, you know, he was my president growing up in the 80s. Now, say what you want about Reaganomics and some of his policies. I don't want to get into a, a, a discussion about the minutia of, of his two terms. However, he was one of the only presidents to go on record, public record, to talk about how anti-subsidy he was. So I wanted to share a couple quotes that we posted just to highlight this point, why we chose Ronald Reagan. So in the mid 80s, Ronald Reagan basically bowed to the pressure of so many things in his presidency, and he signed the most expensive farm bill in history in the mid 80s. It was $52 million for that farm bill. But he said after he signed it and buckled to the pressure, it maintains the costly, this is a quote from him, it maintains the costly and counterproductive government intervention in the dairy industry encourages surplus production and mandates export subsidies, which could well backfire on us as a nation. And ironically, it could actually provide taxpayer subsidies to our adversaries. Two years after he signed that landmark $52 million farm bill, he called for the elimination of all agricultural subsidies worldwide by the year 2000, quote, as a way of promoting better world and economic health. So Reagan was very much against subsidies. He, he believed economically that we should even the playing field. Because as we know, when you go to a fast food restaurant and you get a $2 burger, or you go to the, the market and get a, a $3 gallon of milk, those are artificially depressed prices. If we were to actually take away all of those subsidies, you would have a gallon of cow's milk or a burger that would double or triple in price. Those are the estimates. So the, the problem now is we see the dairy industry and animal agriculture shoving this food down the throats of Americans, many of which who are lower income and desperate to feed their children and their families. But that's not the real cost. And Reagan knew that. And again, he's the only president on record to say if it was fully up to me and we know he couldn't do it because there's checks and balances in our government. But if it was up to him, he would have taken away all of those subsidies. Uh, you make an excellent point. You would think that people who 
don't want crazy, wild, out of control government spending would put the kibosh on these subsidies, the dairy industry could well collapse without the government subsidies. Kids aren't drinking milk the way they did back when we had Leave, Leave It to Beaver on TV. We got some callers, so I'm going to run through these. Nilofar in Dallas, Texas, your question or thought for our incredible team from Switch for Good. Hi, it's such a pleasure. Uh, recently, the government of Canada um, pulled out dairy as part of the requirement. What is um, Switch for Good doing to change policy in this country? Oh, wow. Good question. Go for it, Dotsie. Yes. Well, I mentioned our Ad Soy Act, which is a bipartisan bill that was introduced in Congress and the Senate this past year. And that will bring soy milk into schools for the 50 million children who have currently one choice of beverage, cow's milk. So that is a will be a massive policy shift if it uh, passes. And then we are still very focused on the dietary guidelines, just as I mentioned early at the top of the show. Uh, this is kind of how I really got into understanding uh, the depth of the inequity when it comes to pushing cow's milk on people and especially people of color. And we did get the change in 2020. The dietary guidelines did add soy in as nutritionally equivalent to dairy milk, which is why uh, one of the many reasons why we created the Ad Soy Act, right? Because the government uh, has already said, yes, soy is nutritionally equivalent from a macronutrient profile. Yes, it's much better from a micronutrient profile. Um, and so this, this year, this time around, they do uh, a new edition of the Dietary Guidelines every five years. And so we have already started fighting and will be working uh, very, very hard next year because they'll make the, the, you know, the new edition will come out in 25 uh, to remove dairy as its own food group on the dietary guidelines and simply put it into the protein category. I think that we'll have a better shot instead of just saying, get dairy out. We think we're a few, few more years away for that, but (laughs) yeah. We've got more callers lining up. Sam in Pasadena, your question or thought for switch for good. Hi. Hi there. Hi, Jane. Hi, Dotsie and Jason. Thank you so much for all the work you guys do to push for uh, getting dairy out of our food system. Um, I, I was wondering, you know, um, the recent lawsuit with Marielle Williamson and Physicians Committee, I think you guys were also involved in it. Can you tell us more about the dairy industry and what type of tactics they have been using to sort of brainwash children in school to be addicted to dairy? Because, uh, you know, I know they, they give a lot of USDA requirements for schools to, you know, something as simple as placement of where the milk cartons are. There's a, you know, they have to put it in as the first option for kids to choose. Can you talk about some of these type of uh, tactics that they use and how can we help you guys combat this, this uh, uh, against this uh, system? Thank you. All right, Jason. Yeah, I think the two things that immediately come to mind, and, and great question, Sam, thank you for asking that. You know, the, a big portion of this Ad Soy Act and why we have this bill introduced and, and so many co-sponsors in our government is there's a key word here, and that's reimbursable. So right now, schools could choose of their own volition to supply soy milk or non-dairy milk and provide it to their students, but they simply don't have the budgets to do so. It would bankrupt them. So the key word and one of the key components of our Ad Soy Act is to not only offer dairy-free soy milk to these students, a large majority of which are lactose intolerant and don't have a choice currently, 
but it's to make sure that it's offered the same reimbursement rate as cow's milk, which means when um, when these schools get milk, cow's milk right now, which is the only option, as I mentioned, they're getting it at a very specific reimbursement rate, which means it's not coming out of their pockets, right? They're not net negative. They're not losing money by getting this milk from the government. As I mentioned, right now, if they were to offer that of their own volition, they'd have to pay that out of their own pockets. And for someone like me who grew up in Detroit and, and, and the school systems there simply didn't have the budget in so many American cities, they just don't have that. So we want to get that milk in. We want to get the soy milk in at the same reimbursement rate. That's one way we're fighting against big dairy. And the other thing is if you think about the marketing budget and the Got Milk campaigns and all the things that big dairy has done over the decades to make drinking milk seem like it's the coolest thing in the world, celebrities, musicians, pro athletes, entertainers, everyone with those milk mustaches for decades, since the early nineties, it has been embedded into the consciousness of multiple generations of children that to be successful, to be powerful, to be a champion, to be sexy and famous, you got to drink milk. So we want to flip that on its head, right? And, and let kids know that, look, you can drink something that is nutritionally equivalent to cow's milk, get the protein, get the micronutrients, get the macronutrients and still be sexy and successful and powerful. And you don't have to drink cow's milk to do it. So we still have a lot of work to done to be done, but I think the tides are turning. All right. Annie in Sherman Oaks, your question or thought for Switch for Good. Hi, thank you for having this show. Wow, what a brilliant way. <laughs> President Reagan, I love it. Uh, yeah, I, I met Muriel and I worked in the school system. It's really disgusting what they do. They even bring cow and they uh, have boxes of gifts they give to the kids to reinforce it. Um, how far is your reach and what can we do? Is there any site, anything that we can promote and share with people to expand your incredible message? And I love okay, you guys in Switch good for question. Good as well. Good thank question. you. All right. Uh, Dotsie. Uh, yes. Well, our, our, uh, our, our digital marketing director will be able to probably even answer that better because yes, there are a, a, a plethora of ways of going on our site, depending on what you want to support. But I don't know, maybe Jason talk about ad soy because that's what's most pressing right now. And it's very timely. The farm bill is not going to pass this year, but they're there. I just heard this morning, they are going to pass some food selects from the farm bill, which could be our bill. So time is of the essence. Go ahead, Jason. Uh, let me yeah. ask you one yeah. question, though, uh, because I got that image about this from your website. Um, I think there's a way you can click on this image, which yes. and there's a letter that you can send. Tell us about that, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. So we have well over 20,000 people that have sent letters to their Congress people and their senators asking them to co-sponsor the Ad Soy Act. So right now we have bipartisan support, meaning we have Republicans and Democrats both supporting the Ad Soy Act. We need more co-sponsors, which means by going and signing this letter, it literally takes 60 seconds, 60 seconds of your day because it's pre-filled. You just add your name and your email and your address, and it automatically sends it to your local uh, senators and congresspeople. We need as many letters as possible because when these uh, lawmakers get flooded with letters about a very specific bill or act, we as constituents of them are pressuring them to take action. So the number one thing you can do right now, uh, Annie and everyone who's listening, is to go to switch for good. That's the numeral for switchforgood.org. Click on the Ad Soy Act banner right on there on the homepage and take 60 seconds to send your senators and your congresspeople a request 
to co-sponsor the Ad Soy Act. That's number one. Number two, you go to our social media on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, uh, you know, TikTok, wherever you want to go, and reshare the content that we're posting. We're consistently posting about all of our campaigns, including Ad Soy Act. The more you share that with your friends and family and people who care as you do, dear callers and dear listeners, we build that momentum and we build support. So sign the Ad Soy Act letter and do shares on social media. That's my request to you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do that the second this podcast is done. I'm going to go on there and sign it and share it on the socials, on Unchained TV socials, so everybody signs it. We've got a page in California, your question or thought. Hello. Good afternoon. Oh, my goodness. So great to be here with you all. Here's my question. COP28 is happening right now. And when I read about the um, the millions of cartons of milk that are being tossed in the trash, I think about the environmental impact as well. What are your thoughts about reaching out to environmental groups? And what are your thoughts about the meat and dairy industry leaders being at COP28? Thank you for answering. Dotsie? Um. You know, I, I was been thinking about this a lot, Paige, because I, I got a couple interview requests on like what my thoughts were, or, like what you said about meat and dairy. And I don't know why I have this different, a little bit of a different perspective. I feel like, of course, they're there. They're fighting. They're going to fight their asses off until we take them down. And we spent my entire time in this movement, probably your entire time in this movement so far with them ignoring us and laughing at what we were doing and creating. And now they know it's a true and honest threat. And so they are going to show up in droves, not just at COP28. But I think it's exciting that they're fighting back because it means game on and who's going to win in the end? Us. And it's probably going to get a little ugly on the way to the uh, the end of the battle, right? But I mean, I would expect them to be there fighting, right? And I, yeah, that, that's what I think. I would say it's already gotten ugly when you consider yeah. that... Um, Wayne Shung, who was a constitutional law professor yeah. and who um, leads rescues into uh, animal factories, has been convicted and sentenced to um, 30 days in prison, 60, 60 days in prison. At, actually, sorry, 90 days in prison, but he's getting out this weekend. Uh, but he's been you know, really, really persecuted uh, for trying to basically show people what's happening inside animal factories in California. In this case, it was a chicken and duck factories. But, um, you know, there's never been an animal factory that uh, undercover investigators or rescuers have gone into and found uh, the humane treatment and uh, the lovely uh, images that are on the cartons. So I would say that his treatment, um, he's supposed to get out in just a couple of days, but then there's some very onerous conditions on his probation. It's exhibit A that, that it's already gotten ugly and that the meat dairy industry, and I always put the pharmaceutical industry there as well, because they need people to, to eat mm -hmm. the meat and dairy to become sick in order to buy the pills uh, and get the stent operations, et cetera. Uh, they have, I believe really decided to declare war on the plant-based movement and, and it's becoming more and more apparent. Um, we have yet another caller. So, oh, Elvia dropped. Okay. So, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a quick break here on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on all of our socials and on the Unchained TV app. So stick with us. This is a very short 30 second break and we'll be right back. 
Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Get Unchained. Tune in every Wednesday for Unchained TV on the Voice America Variety Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Unchained TV, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Unchained TV. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email in to jane at unchainedtv.com. Now, back to the show. We are talking to two of my heroes, and boy, they have a great sense of fun as they fight the good fight to wake people up to the... Look, it's just a fact. The National Institutes of Health itself says it right on their website. 67% of the population experiences lactose malabsorption. If you put that in plain English, that means at least 67% of the population is allergic to dairy. And there's a slew of books uh, about the problems that that creates, uh, whether it's acne, whether it's stomach issues, whether it's dandruff, whether it's uh, just an addiction to dairy. The Cheese Trap is a great book um, that is uh, basically lays out that uh, cheese dairy products are addictive. And since cheese is a concentration of dairy, it is the most addictive dairy product. And that's why a lot of people say I could never give up cheese. Um, and before we get to, to your next video, I'd like to get your take on that, Dotsie, because, you know, there's no better customer than an addict. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> like, let that settle for just a second. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's a lot of what we're fighting, right? We've been talking about the dairy industry's uh, marketing power and marketing arm. And yes, 73% of the dairy industry's incomes comes from our federal government. So the people aren't buying it as much anymore uh, as, as they were, you know, buying the marketing before. But it also, people are addicted to especially cheese, right? Because there's even more of the casomorphine in it than there is uh, from, from milk itself. I don't know who drinks a glass of milk anymore, though. I'm not sure that that's a thing that people are doing. But that is the problem. And people don't realize it, right? That I didn't know it. I had no idea that it was addictive or why it was addictive or, you know, and I'm sure you've gone over why, you know, the casomorphine and what, where it comes from and the cow, everything on the show before. So those that are vegan understand it, but that is eye opening. And I, I don't care what the food is. I don't want to be addicted to anything. 
right? Like from my history, your history, Jane, like I don't want to be, I don't want to feel like I'm hooked on any food and I don't want to be addicted. And so that, that is, I think it's an important aspect for some people to really understand that will make them turn away from it instantly. All right. You won an award with this film. I'm showing a tiny little clip of it. Brace yourselves, fasten your seatbelts. It's kind of different, but it's making a very important point. Do you normally drink breast milk? Yes. Yes, what kind? Breast milk. It's good. <laughs> we have a little bit of my fresh human breast milk. Wow. <laughs> have you guys ever tasted human breast milk? Do you like breast milk? You don't know what you're missing, sir. I should have brought the pump. We would have definitely, fresh. definitely got that's some takers is, if I was just like hooked that, up right here on Hollywood Boulevard. That's why people don't think it's fresh. Do you drink cow's milk? No. What, did you drink any milk? Yeah. What kind? Like the supermarket. Well, that says it right there. People have no clue what milk is, where it comes from. Uh, I'm going to get both of your reactions to this, but I have a feeling once again, Jason, this was your, <laughs> I'm going on the limb here. This was your brainchild. It was, it was a collective effort. When I, when I joined switch for good two and a half years ago, you know, it, it was immediately clear that Dotsie was on board to do subversive out of the box, wild ideas. And this was one of them that I know Dotsie not to speak for you, you had been wanting to do for a while, even before I came on board with y'all. And, um, and we finally made it happen with our, our good friend, Bobby Sood. He, uh, he was one of the DPs on the video. And, you know, it was us going to Hollywood Boulevard uh, and, and down in Orange County and approaching people, hey, you know, do you want to try human breast milk? And, and getting them to maybe shift this cognitive dissonance they have that they're drinking breast milk of another species every single day, but they don't have that frame around it. And so it was our way of just like getting that whole like old school Jay Leno, man on the street, Mike in the face. And literally like that last guy Dotsie talked to, you drink cow's milk? No. What kind of milk do you drink? Supermarket. Oh, you drink, you drink supermarket milk. You milked the supermarket. <laughs> so it just goes to show us how much work yet there is to be done of getting that awareness and breaking that cognitive dissonance of, yeah, you're sucking off a cow's teat every single day, but you don't think of it that way. So it was our fun, sort of subversive way of doing that. Dotsie, you're the star <laughs> of that movie that did win an award from the International Vegan Film Festival. <laughs> we had so much fun making this. I mean, I think on a really positive note coming out of it, what I was surprised by, I mean, I think we thought that people were going to have the cognitive distance. This is why we did it, why we thought it would be funny, right? Where they're like, no, I don't want human milk, but I'll drink cow's milk. But what was actually kind of hopeful was we also brought a plethora of plant milks for people to go, hey, yeah, if they were interested in switching over, if we had a longer conversation with some of them, which we did with many of them, and it was like, do you want to try some soy milk or some almond milk or some chocolate coconut milk? And and they all, all of them, almost all of them were really open and were like, hey, that's that tastes better. I think I'm going to switch to that. So it just shows like some people just literally need to be introduced. We're doing all this like complicated, hard, like you know, brain work here at Switch for Good, trying to like, you know, shift every, the thinking of everyone. But some people just still need to just simply be introduced because they realize it's better and yummier and then they, you know, understand that it's healthier for them. So that was, that was a, a cool thing that came out of it. One of the big problems with our movement is that people don't want to look at the reality of the horrors that go into 
any aspect of the animal agriculture industry where 80 billion at least land animals are killed every year. They just don't want to look at it. Don't show me. I don't want to know. Um, and yet we have to get people to look at it. So you've come up with sort of this end run using comedy, edgy comedy, uh, to describe some of the horrific practices of the dairy industry that they try to suppress. They don't want people to know that they use blowtorches, uh, for example, on cows, blowtorches. Let's look at this comedic um, skit. I would have to describe it, starring both of you, and we're going to discuss on the other side. Nipple hair. Mm-hmm. Nipple hair. Nip, nip, nipple hair. <laughs> we got to get rid of all your nipple hair. Hey, good afternoon. Hey, Doc. How you doing? Good, good, mm-hmm. good. Look, look. Oh, look how big she's getting. Huh? There's something I wanted to talk to you about that I'm pretty concerned about. Okay, what's that? Well, uh, I have quite a bit of unwanted nipple hair. Nipple hair. Mm-hmm. Nipple hair. Mm-hmm. I see. Now, it gets... More interesting from there, you can watch the entire thing on Unchained TV. Switch for Good has a channel on our streaming network. So just go to UnchainedTV.com and click around. You will find it. Um, but what is, first of all, how did you come up with this idea? And what ultimately, I'd love to know what the serious message is behind it, Dotsie. Jason has to answer the question because I did not come up with it. I think it was our fantastic social media gal, Ryan, that first saw it. But yeah, it's it's utter singeing is what we're showing. And we didn't get to that, Jane, but people can watch it. But I'll let Jason explain. Yeah, we, we, you know, one thing that we do here at the organization, we have weekly creative meetings with uh, with all the team members. And, and it's an opportunity for people to come with out of the box, wild swings creatively. And our social media manager, uh, Ryan Feldman, came with this uh, revelation that none of us had ever heard before. Now, Ryan also runs a sanctuary in New Jersey called Uncle Neil's Home. So she hears a lot of the stories about what the cows and the farm animals go through when they come to her farm and she adopts them to the sanctuary. And she basically came a few months ago and she was like, have you guys heard of utter singeing? And we were like, what the, what in the hell is utter singeing? It's a practice where basically cows in the dairy industry if they have hair that is growing out of their udders, it will actually sort of interfere with the udders and, and restrict milk production. So in order to make sure that things are clean and healthy and that there's no bacteria or pathogens coming from the udder hair getting into the milk or restricting the flow, they literally take torches and will put them under the cow's udders and burn the hair off of their udders. And it blew my mind because Having been vegan for 25 years, it was like, I've never heard of this. Mm-hmm. And whenever something new comes through the pipeline, I think Dotsie's reaction was the same, like, oh my God, can it get any more barbaric? So again, rather than the ethos of us just showing sort of the gory barbarism and the barbaric practices of the industry, we thought, well, what's a creative, you know what? What if they did this to humans? What if they singed the nipple hair off of women to make sure that babies latch better and they don't get the milk contaminated by the nipple hair. So that's really how the idea came was, if they're doing it to cows, what if they did it to humans? People would be outraged if doctors were burning the nipple hair with a torch off of human women. But we do it to millions of cows and it's perfectly fine. 
Well, I mean, I applaud you coming up with these imaginative ways to try to wake people up. Are people waking up? Um, Dotsie, where are we in terms of, uh, you know, we're on a race against time. Uh, if we don't transition our planet to uh, essentially a global plant-based culture in a pretty short period of time, a blink in the span of geologic time, that's for mm-hmm. sure, you know, we're going to be done. I mean, we, uh, it's, it's not me saying it, Sir David Attenborough. This is a film, it's on Netflix, uh, called Breaking Boundaries. There's only nine of them. And once those are gone, kaput, there's no turning back. And it was just last night that I read about one of the boundaries, of course, the ice caps collapsing, accelerating. So how, mm-hmm. how are we doing in terms of waking people up? Well, I can certainly speak more on the, um, you know, the animal food of dairy versus some of the other animal foods. But as I mentioned earlier, I mean, I think this is really telling. Uh, We continue to take pages out of Big Dairy's marketing playbook and turn it on them. And we are definitely seeing the armor start to crumble. 73% of their income is coming from our federal government subsidies, which means if those stop or wane or decrease, they're done. Wait, say that again. 73% of the dairy's industry income comes from our federal government. We are not keeping them in business, the public anymore. And they were. The public was a part of keeping them in business. So once the government funding starts to crumble, which is a a lot of what many of us are working on with with legislation, right? The ad soage, everything that we're doing to normalize plant foods, normalize soy milk, and normalize these foods that people in Asia have been eating since the beginning of time, right? And it's like somehow the dairy industry created it to be a kind of a weird food here, right? Soy. Um, But I firmly believe that we have to continue to work to normalize these plant foods because people's instinct is to follow social norms, right? And it has a powerful effect on their actions. So the people that are still left buying dairy are people that have kind of just folded to the social norms. So when we change those social norms, many people will make different choices. What's the, de- what's the demographic? I mean, it seems like I went, I was invited here in Venice, California to a meetup and somebody said, come on over. It's close to where you are. And I walked in and this just happened this past weekend. And I was like, um, this is a coffee meetup, but where's the dairy option, the non-dairy option? Where's the non-dairy option? I was kind of, excuse me, I don't see the non, they said, there is no dairy. Everything is plant-based. We don't offer a non-dairy option. Like I was some fuddy-duddy and I, I was just thrilled. <laughs> I was so happy because it was like a super hipster young event. And um, so, you know, I saw that as a huge sign of progress, um, but yeah. But is it generational? And and we should talk about Starbucks as well. And of course, Starbucks mm-hmm. is invited on any time. But yeah. uh, I want to I throw that back to you and get both of you, Jason and then Dotsie. Yeah, I want to say this, Jane. So um, I'm having been a chef for many years. I go to a lot of food trade shows and I, I like to stay up on industry trends, sales trends, consumer trends. Uh, a couple of years ago, I read a statistic that since the late 70s, uh, we're talking a little over 40 years now that dairy sales in the U.S. have decreased 40% in the last 40 years. Sales. Now, that doesn't mean that production has slowed down because we look at the subsidies, we look at how much money they're funneling into not only the National School Lunch Program, hence our Ad Soy Act, we look at how much money they're funneling uh, dairy into things like the military, exporting dairy to other countries. 
So we're seeing the sales of dairy decline over the last four decades, but production is not abating because they're funneling that to other channels. However, I pay attention to the consumer action. If dairy sales consistently go down, I think it's because new generations are becoming more aware and more hip to the fact this is not a health food. This is not good for the human body. And to your point, we look at Gen Z or Gen A millennials. They're like, dude, I would never drink milk. It's nasty as hell. I mean, I'll go to these same meetups and I guess I'm kind of like the old head now I'm getting there, but I talk to these young kids who are in their late teens, early twenties that I meet up and, and talking about the history of this thing. And they're like, yeah, dude, dairy's disgusting. I haven't drank it since I was like 10 years old. So I'm encouraged by the fact that, as you said, these new generations of young people coming up, they want truth. They don't want BS. They see past the marketing lies. And even at trade shows that we've gone to, like I remember we were at the Chicago Marathon a couple months ago, and a lot of the young people I talked to there, they're like, yeah, all of the like got milk stuff is total BS, and I don't believe it. So we're seeing a growing awareness and growing consciousness. And despite the fact that we are staring over the edge of the climate cliff, Jane, I am emboldened by the fact that young people are passionate, they're aware, they want the truth, and they're taking action on it. Dotsie, um, yeah. What about what about the Starbucks uh, campaign? And I know PETA has also had a Starbucks campaign yeah. because in the United States there's an upcharge for right. plant-based milks, um, and they don't do that in certain other parts of the world. Um, where does that stand? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're still we're still pushing, and we're going to be doing some pretty radical things next uh, the next quarter, but. I mean, again, it comes down for us to uh, normalizing the plant food and the plant milk, right? If it's like this weird thing that charges extra, it's like, well, what is it? Why is it so much more? People aren't going to try it. But once it's just normal, this is normal on the menu. And like you said, there's some coffee shops that are just total renegades and they're just offering, they're just offering plant milk because dairy milk is, uh, you know, thing of the past in, in our opinion, in their opinion. So the more normalization, I, some people go, oh, why are you bothering the Starbucks, you know, whatever, because they're the, we could have started with a smaller coffee shop. We probably already would have won and had it done. But we wanted to start with the, with, the, with the big guns and the largest coffee shop in the world, because if they change, it will have a cascade effect, certainly on all of the other ones. And once we start to normalize these foods, then people are going to start drinking them, eating them, using them and realizing, ah, yes, this is great. I feel better. Just like we were talking about culture and how it changes before. And the normalization has to happen. It's hard to judge progress in real time. Sometimes it seems overwhelming. Like when you go into a supermarket and even though you see a lot of plant-based milks, you still see those big gallons of dairy lined up there. Uh, but final thoughts, what needs to happen next? Jason. I think people need to understand the gravity of the situation. I think that um, there's a lot of people debating whether or not climate change is real. Mm -hmm. They're debating uh, whether or not animals have sentience. They're debating whether or not animal products uh, are actually good for the human body. And I think while we sit back and argue and debate, the world is burning and millions of people are dying from diet-related diseases. And the sooner that we just look at the hard truth, the scientific evidence, the evidence-backed research from, you know, Nobel-winning climate scientists and um, doctors and nutritionists have been doing this for decades and decades, and we listen to the evidence and the research, I think hopefully humanity can start making collective decisions 
imminently for our survival and the survival of life on planet Earth. But as you said, Jane, clock is ticking. We need to stop BSing. We need to stop arguing about what's real and finally align with the truth so life can survive here because I don't want to go to Mars. I like it here on Earth. Mm -hmm. Oh, well <laughs> said. All right. Me too. Go ahead, Dotsie. Final thoughts as we wrap up this fascinating hour. It's fun. I think people need to start taking action on what they care about. We, I see so many people who actually, they do care. They have opened their hearts. Maybe they do know about what happens in the Gary industry. Maybe they've learned about utter singeing. Um, I have some close friends even. So knowing me, they know like way more facts than they probably want. They know the truth. They're having a hard time acting on what they care about because they care. They do care. They, they donate to Switch for Good. They encourage me in my work. They encourage us in our work. But people really need, I think we will see a gigantic shift when people really start answering what they actually care about and taking action on those things that they care about and not just sitting by and hoping somebody else will do it. Well, I love you both. You are amazing. You. I love your billboards. I love your videos. Please go to Unchained TV and watch them, but also go to switchforgood.org and click on, there's so many petitions. As soon as I sign off, I'm going to hit that petition uh, that Thank involves you. the incredible um, bill that is now in Congress. Uh, let's pray it passes because this is so important. The Ad Soy Act would give kids healthier choices at school. Go to switchforgood.org, click on this photo, which is right at the top, sign that letter. It takes literally 10 seconds. And we will see you soon, onward and upward, to save our planet, people, and animals. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you for tuning in to Unchained TV. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.